Yes, Shopamaniacs, you're listening to another Holly Jolly episode of the Shopishaka Show. I'm Dave Rupert, how are you? And with me is Chris Clare, how are you, Chris? I almost jumped straight to the I'm how all right. are you? I'm oh, all right. I want to actually feel kind of almost normal okay today. It was a whirlwind week this week, because I I just, uh, what was it, Tuesday night, I had some, some folks come to town that were doing a little planning. They are going to record some video with me and stuff. It was great. You know, Ooh. we planned it all out. You know, did some location scouting stuff. It was fun. Went out to dinner that night, and then I went home. And by midnight, I was I was hugging the toilet. You know, just done. Whoa. You know, just suit, just food poisoning disaster. I, I, you know, you say quote unquote food poisoning. It seems like that, but there's been a virus going around too. Who knows what it was? But so, and all these people are from out of town. So the next morning, I'm like, I literally can't do the thing that you flew to my city to do. Oh my oh, gosh! Man. But they all were able to readjust all their flights, and so we kind of did the the work the next day instead. But I'm still trying to do my job as well and not get behind on things. And then I so I just took the whole day and just rested, and now I'm fine. Yeah. I'm like I'm like back up and like so it was one of those 24 hour deals at worst, but it was intense. Ouch! That's always tough when you uh, yeah get hit with an unexpected sickness. My sicknesses always happen on the weekends. Oh. So. Yeah. I lose my weekend to <laughs> like being sick, which is such a waste, such a complete waste. It is kind of, there is a, you know, I used to have this friend, well, he's still my friend. That felt weird to say where <laughs> he's like, you know what Ex-friend. I could use, you know what I've been like, really like waiting for, you know, like, like he's going to tell you like, oh, I haven't been to a baseball game in a while. You know, he's like a good flu. <laughs> yeah, <he's> just. <laughs> You'd just love a, a great purging. You'd love huh? a good just... flu. Well, because there, and I kind of felt them yesterday because there was this roller coaster to it while I was like, I don't even want to be alive anymore, you know, so bad mm-hmm. to when you crest it, your body still feels bad, but there's like such a relief when you stop feeling nauseated that you almost feel mm-hmm. good. But then your body's so tired that all it wants to do is lay in bed. So I'm like watching his dark materials on HBO or whatever, like the new like Golden Compass thing. But my, I'm just so perfectly calm and at rest and just watching mm-hmm. TV in bed that I'm like, there's actually some like sweet, weird pleasure to this. Because you, can you can't do anything else. You no, I, I literally can't. I can't even answer an email. But yeah. There was a weird, no. like, slow down pleasure to it. Not that I could do it all the time, but I think that's what my my friend was getting at. Hey, great, yeah. D- Dave. Did you know that um, that the color gray mm-hmm. in CSS is actually darker than the color dark gray? I did know that. <laughs> um, Came up. That today. is that is super messed up. Um, Why? Yeah. No. Why? I don't. Name colors are interesting. It, it's kind of like it, it's. Early technology that oh we'll just come up with names for every color you know <laughs> like like well there's only three hundred of them you know there's only three hundred colors we'll just name them is that all. like a so, do you, was that nerds can we fault nerd nerdy nerdy thinking for that or was there like possibly, is there actually like yeah. a good reason I don't know I mean maybe there there's was something like, about the language design of it but it is it does seem like well. I, I think I can solve this. You know? <laughs> I got it. We'll name them. Oh, I'm sure it came from like, I mean, I'm going to probably say like Dreamweaver or something like that, where like you use a drop down to specify a color or something. Like oh, that, sure. Know? I bet it came from something like that. But, but even now that it I mean, exists today, because the web is extraordinarily backwards compatible, there's some temptation to use it. I answered an, an AMA question the other day. I can't remember the exact context of it, but... I, I remember typing out that I'll even change it in pull requests if I see some CSS that uses 000 or FFF. I just make them black or white because for some reason my brain has never like been able to grok it fast enough which one is which. But the words black and white make perfect sense to me, and so who cares? Hey, you know, it's a free variable. It's a free named like. Yeah, but just you, this came up because you were you were trying to settle on a perfect name color. I don't know why. Yeah, no. Uh, so I'm doing. Uh, so you know, I've had this little theme switcher on my site for a long time. Like it, it used to be a little like artistic palette that you click and and it would change the theme and season CSS variables um, just to change various themes. I switched it to be my logo just because I was like, oh, I'll just eliminate a button and then the logo will do the theme changing. And then I had some JavaScript that would like, you know, save that theme to the like local storage, read local storage, apply the theme on load, blah, blah, you know, like it's all happening. 
but eventually I just like, it feels like the machine's kind of like confused. It's like, Hey, which, uh, I don't know which theme to use on this page. I'll just try one, you know, like it, it just wasn't working. Like I wanted it to, if that makes sense. Like, or it just wasn't, I don't know. It felt like over-engineered, if that makes sense. So I, I, sure. I kind of was like, you know, I'm going to – I like on my iPhone or iPad. I bought an iPad recently. But I like on that when, you know, when it, your phone goes to night mode or whatever, uh, blue light, dark mode or whatever, night mode, it'll actually – you can set – set a setting to like it goes into dark mode and windows has customizability. Like you can have a dark OS and a light browser or like go all dark or have a light theme and a dark browser. I, so I just was like, you know, I'm going to use, I'm going to switch it over to prefers color scheme dark. Cause when I originally did this, that didn't really exist. It was like maybe talked about in Safari. Yeah. The CSS media query that, that determines the user's preference and that's controlled yeah. at the operating system level. And I believe it's settable in both Mac and Windows, right? Yep. So it's all kind of working across the board. And, you know, a lot of people like it. Um, I, I mean, I, I would be curious about your thoughts if it's a fad or not. I know yes. I've said that and people get mad at me. And they're like, they're like, it's actually like very good for like my migraines and stuff like that. And I actually sure. that's all do true. respect that. I, I like... And and I can sense that as well. And and if you're at reading if on a thing at night and like just getting blasted in the face by white light, it's it's frustrating. It's not it's not enjoyable as much. But and it could hurt you, I guess. But I I honestly, if like you know non dark mode websites hurt you, I, I feel like you need something maybe more. Like, That's the thing. Ninety nine point nine nine percent of websites don't offer anything like this at all. So if this is going to be our new accessibility cr- crusade, so be it. But I think we can all agree that there's bigger problems than this, you know? Right. So the fact well, that there's so much mental energy going into dark mode right now and thinking around it is, is it, it just feels like, yes, there is elements of a fad to it, to the point. But you're having fun with it on your personal site. And it's not light and dark mode. It's crazy pink mode and blue mode. And and you're thinking out the problem. I'm going to probably back away from those. I'm going to have three themes, I think. Um, I there's um, I have the, the main one, which is kind of like a white, you know, black text on white background. But I was kind of, the, the reason that came up was I was looking for like a, a CSS name color for the background, you know, cause, mm-hmm. cause I just, I just like want, like, I don't know. I, I was looking through and it was like, Oh, floral, uh, white is good, but then it's kind of yellow. And then I was like, Oh, I don't like it. And then, but then settled on white smoke and feeling pretty good about white smoke. So I'll probably ship That's it. nice. Just, I've done little things like that where I was like, it. you know, the user agent style sh- sheet has different it's different sizes for H1 through H5 and spacing for them. And I was like, just for fun, I wonder if I could do a website where I change some type maybe, but for for whatever reason, I'm not going to change any font size or any margin or padding with any, and just let it be the UA style. But otherwise make it look like a fully designed website, but just see if I can get away with making any spacing choices. It was kind of fun. I don't think it totally worked yeah. out, but. Well, no, it's a, uh, it's fun anyway. So I'm, I'm, and then I'm going to use prefers color scheme dark to automatically start in dark mode. Right. Uh, like if your device goes into night. I think time. that's a prereq. You have to do that. If you have to respect the media query. In fact, I got a interesting uh, article pitch today um, mm-hmm. that looked at using workers for this in a way, because, you know, a lot of the thinking around this too, Dave is, is not, just respect the media query and you get that theme it's that i want a switcher too and that's like advocated for that like even mm-hmm. if i have the me don't have set the media query there's got to be some you know ui control to do it too fine but now when you mix those two things you have two things that can inform which thing the website should be in and you have to kind of dance that dance which is can be mm-hmm. a little funky monkey and both of those things are client side and it's nice to not have to like ask client side questions, particularly if they're because a, a UI toggle is data that needs to be stored somewhere. So where do you put it? Local storage, cookie, I don't know what you do. It's tempting to mm-hmm. put it in a cookie because then you can respond to it server side, meaning that you don't have to download light theme, check local storage with JavaScript, determine that they want dark theme, then switch over and potentially get weird flashes, right? So this was a cool thing where you know, respect the media query, 
put that default value in a cookie, then you can use cookie in really cool new modern things like Cloudflare workers. And so you can mm-hmm. check that cookie at the worker level and then make sure that you send all the correct classes down in the HTML to make sure that immediately upon load, the most correct choice is being made and it loads in that state. It's an awful lot of fancy dancing for something like this. That's what makes me feel like it's like has elements of fadness that people are willing to take on this level of technical debt right now because it's kind of cool and, you know, like, oh, I can, I know mm-hmm. how to solve this problem. But, you know, a couple mm-hmm. years down the road, are people like, you have what set up to do what? You know, like, I feel like sometimes technical debt gets chopped off when it stops being the hot new thing. Yeah, well, and and you got to, I mean, it's fun to like make a bunch of infinite themes or something, or even you get into art direction. It's like, I want this post to be purple because I'm just, you know, it's about Twitch or something, um, you know, and, and then, yeah, who takes preference, the yeah, your art direction or, or yeah. prefers color scheme, you know, which one, which one? Well, and, and then, then if, if, if the argument is the web is getting so boring. Well, you're like, maybe some of the reason it's getting boring is because we're trying to be better about stuff like this, that if everything is so bespoke that we're taking control away from the user. But maybe it's the right answer is your purple art direction has a light and a dark mode to it, you know? So now you, but that's double the work on your art direction, you know? So that can get kind of intense. So so is responsive um, design, you know, maybe we just have to double our workload every few years. Yeah, just, yeah, double the workload every couple of years. And, you know, that's how we stay employed, Chris. You know, that's uh, that's how I make money. Hey, hey, this episode is sponsored in part by Percy. That's Percy.io. It's a visual review platform, meaning that, like, let's say you're working on a web app, you do a merge request that changes some things, perhaps it changes a little CSS. What Percy's going to do is compare a screenshot of that with the new changes to what's already on master or what you're merging into and show you if anything changes. Let's say you like change the background color of a button or whatever. That's very intentional. So Percy's going to catch that and it's going to show you a diff between those two images there's going to be red over that button that's going to be like this has changed and in Percy you can be like that's okay Percy that's what I was trying to do you know but Percy will catch any visual change so let's say you changed like some margin or padding on some class or something in an affected more than you thought it would across the site this is why people are sometimes like kind of quote unquote afraid of CSS and making global changes because CSS does have a lot of power in that way. Well, Percy's going to catch all that and show you all these pages and you configure all this, like, you know, go here to this page, click this, look at this, whatever, or just like, you know, here's a list of URLs I want you to keep track of, Percy. And it will take screenshots of those. You tell it to take a screenshot of this. The configuration is easy. It's no big deal. And then it's going to look at that page. And then anytime there's a visual change, even if you change a headline or something, it's just going to let you know. And then in that merge request, it's going to be like, Percy just saw these five changes or whatever. And you go look and you go click, 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 click. Okay. Or it goes, or you go, oh crap. That's totally a change that I did not expect to happen on that page. That helps you refactor code and just be really like sure that the code that you're pushing, the way that it visually changes your website that you're sure of. So it just catches these visual changes in their dashboard. It's great. It's totally integrated in your, to, into your Git workflow, your continuous integration kind of style, which like so many people work in in that day. So check out percy.io. I got a whole screencast on how to set it up and get working on it over on CSS Tricks. If you want to search out and find that, you can uh, you know really dig deep here if you're interested. Well, readers, you'll be happy to know here um, that we're going to do a rapid fire show and that and that yes. we are, you know, we we like to just chat with each other at the beginning of the show. But for the rest of this show, I believe Dave is possibly even has a timer available. Oh, yes, I do. Uh, so we are going to not get caught up on any one particular question and just get through as many questions as we have. Because first of all, we like it. Second of all, we've had feedback. In fact, I got one just before we started recording of somebody's like, whatever happened to rapid fires? You know, like sometimes when I pop back in and out of the show, I like to start with a rapid fire to just, I don't know, get my bearings on your show again. So we're happy to oblige, dear listener. 
Let's do some, and th- these won't be like one minuteers. We're going to cap ourselves at at you know four or five minutes. We got we got five minutes. Is that that's for not each of us discussing <laughs> taking sides? Five no. minutes per question, uh, and each of us has a card that we can. Uh, uh, we have a extendo card, so you can extend the conversation uh, for uh, let's say another three minutes or something. I don't know. Sure, uh, you can extend the conversation by playing your extendo card. Does that? Sound good? It does sound good, but feel free to to not hit five minutes, too, if we just have less to say about a particular question. All right. We'll just cancel it before we get to the timer. All right. Mm -hmm. So should we get going? I'm going to start the timer after I finish reading. Okay. So here we go. Uh, Brian Cottingham writes in, what are your thoughts on adopting less popular frameworks for projects uh, like Svelte or Mithril. Um Sometimes they feel like a better fit for me in my projects, but I'm concerned about being the only person uh, trying certain use cases, and I know they're less compelling on a resume. Go! Oh, my gosh. Um, <gasps> I'm so nervous about stuff like this. You know, like if I... If, oh. I will set this up and say like anytime anytime you'd say like I made something in view, somebody says, Oh, have you tried Svelte? you know? And you're like, golly, but um uh so I think I would I would say there's a lot of interest out there. I don't know that you need to like always worry about the like longevity uh, of it. Um but that is something good to think about. I mean I mean you know, but I think people also like don't choose Vue because they're like, well, no big, you know, it's not Apple or Google or Facebook, so I won't use Vue. But like, Vue is a really good choice. So, um, I I think you should try it. I th- I think you do. You should do it per the scale of the project. Like, if it's a the flagship project, maybe not. Like, maybe vet out Svelte on a maybe a more disposable or kind of short term. So That's let's dig into that just for a second. The uh the scale of the project you're saying, you know, I, I would put like something like hiring into that bucket. You know, if you need to like assemble a team around a project, you're going to have an easier time with it, with bigger name languages. And I think that's not to be forgotten. Although mm-hmm. that's a little bit of a bummer if you have to hire people based on a particular framework. I'm like, is that how you should be hiring at all? Why don't you just hire good developers? I'm sure they're multi-framework adaptable, but still we don't all have that luxury. Um, I don't know, like what, so you're saying a smaller project and Brian is saying, you know, I'm wondering if this is right for me and my projects. So I get the sense of it's a smaller scale. I would say you and your projects is the ideal place to experiment, just like experiment on your own blog, you know, like, like start there. Um, and then when it, the conversation comes up at work, be like, Hey, you know, let's, you know, Right. Figure this out. But I, I know multiple, multiple, multiple engineering managers who are getting hired by companies, going into teams, and they're like, so what's going on? And they're like, oh, we got a Vue app, a React app, an Angular app, a blah, mm. blah. You know, like they have the whole suite of apps just because somebody wanted to code it up that way. And now the, the Vue team doesn't talk to the React team and they just do their own things. And you've seen problems system. there. I mean, that seems like an obvious problem, right? You're not sharing expertise. I think, and- I think it happens the the day one, you're like, let's try Vue, you know, <laughs> try something else on or on, on this project. But but I, I think if you have a plan, I think when you go in without a plan, that's a problem. But when you have a plan, it can be resolved. So Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's some irony here, though, there, isn't it? In that, in that I think sometimes these smaller frameworks exist and, you know, their struggle and their message is, you know, it's almost like don't relegate us to the small little baby projects. We exist to try to unseat some of the damage of b- bigger problems. I mean, I know that's a bold message, but if the message out there is saying like React is like time is over, it's doing too much on the client side, there's way more we can do on the build side, which is Svelte's message very clearly. Don't relegate us to a side project. We're t- we want you to go big with us. We want you to prove that this is a better, faster, just better way to build for the web. What would you say to that? I think that's a good point, but I, I think, for you and your organization, like you need to like there, it gets into that Monty Hall refactor the like, Oh, we'll just use Svelte and we'll solve all our react problems. You know, like you don't know that yet. Like, cause, cause you're going to do a, 
prototype hello world and you're like this is the best thing ever like i made the counter go up and it's smaller um but the like you don't know until you start pulling in a lot of your business and a lot of all that functionality into the same project like then you'll see kind of the pain points you you have to hit the pain points before yeah you- do at, at some point do you let somebody else prove it out for you though do you have to is it because not everybody vets every framework in the world? That's some do is it just too early days for these smaller frameworks, and eventually it will become more clear if they really are replacements for the bigger libs. Yeah, I mean, why do people use React? Is like, well, Facebook uses React, so we know it works, and so we're going to use it. You know, you need a a Boston Globe for your project that, mm-hmm. you know, this is this big thing is written in Svelte or this big thing is. Would it be smart Svelte. for Mithril or Svelte to say, we're looking for our Boston Globe, please contact us. Or is that too thirsty? Yeah, they should, they should, uh, that's pretty thirsty, but like, but I don't know. You, you should, I guess if you're a framework author, you should probably be <laughs> not greasing palms. That's the wrong quid pro quo, but oh. okay. But you, but you should, you should be thinking about that when you like, want to scale up your project that's all i was saying so all right here we go eric sackmar writes in that was fun yeah that's cool yeah uh i'm working on an electron app for a client and they want to offer a 30-day trial on their software after the trial has expired the software should no longer be usable um the client is aware that determined hackers will always be able to hack their way around things they just want something to make it somewhat difficult for the average user to crack. Um, I guess I can start here. Um, I, I, you know, I haven't really built much in Electron myself, but you know, I'm aware that lots of apps are built that way, and they're built that way on purpose because you can use web technology to port your app then to multiple platforms, kind of quote unquote, for free, which is nice. You know, like I get the appeal there, and in fact. I get the appeal very highly. But anyway, think, here's one, Slack. Slack's got a native app. I open it as a, an Electron app every day and leave it open every day on my computer, and it works pretty great. But here's how, here's how Slack works, though. Like If I don't have any internet connection at all, it's pretty much useless. It's only an mm-hmm. online app, so it communicates with web services in order to work. Now, can you make a totally offline Electron app? You probably can, but you didn't say that your app is an offline app, Eric. So I'm kind of assuming that you're using Electron to like talk to web services and stuff, which is probably what most Electron apps do. So if you want to turn off this thing after 30 days, why don't you at least have something in that app that needs to go out to a web service and authenticate its usage, like you log in with a username and password, and then you can use the app. And even if it does something like sets a cookie or does something like loosely like that, that has to check again after 30 days, and if it can't, the app doesn't work, that doesn't even seem hackable by hackers, really. I mean, I don't know, maybe it is, but it's like your web app has to auth it to work. That seems like the way to go. There's probably a utility, like you could use local storage, right? But, but you know, control shift I or whatever command shift I will probably get around that, you know, even inside the electron app, maybe does it have a web inspector? I feel like I've seen it before, but, um, but you, yeah, I, I think you'd have, uh, people would get around that and crack it, I guess is what you're, you're saying. Um, I, I think what Chris, you're saying, like maybe put an email, put some kind of OAuth authentication. Like, so, you know, it's very common, like signing you in, you know, something like that have that um then you can just gate it on the account side of things and that's but then you need maybe another server or serverless sort of thing that's like okay when did this person create an account when was install event you know um and then you know do you what do you send to register the computer maybe like a uh i'm sure there's some kind of instance or mac address or something that you could use um mm-hmm. but, but you know the the Hacking inclined have ways around that, but yeah, that that would be probably the best way to do it. And then like when you, and then your authentication flow has like, if you think of like a flow chart, it's like, you know, it's like you, they sign in if 30 days, okay, throw up the warning modal. Otherwise just let them into the app, you know, or if they've, and then if from the, or maybe before that step is have they paid Yes. Okay. Throw them into the app. Okay. Are they still in trial? Yes. Okay. Throw them into the app. Have the, has trial expired? Okay. Now 
get the paywall. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty. I mean, that assumes there's offline stuff at all happening, right? Because if you like, if we made CodePen a Electron app for like, and we just decided to turn off features for you if you aren't paid, like I'm not worried about a hacker being able to get through that. Wouldn't be much of an app if you could just set a local storage thing and have pro features on CodePen. That's just not how the web works. Yeah, I mean, it. maybe I'm selling Electron short, but I, I think of it like a progressive web app sort of, you know, it's 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 basically you pre-download the files needed <laughs> to run the app, you know, like that's that's sort of how I see it. And and then um, you know, beyond that, everything's a web request. I mean, even for content or views or or, you know, Ajax or, you know, getting JSON from somewhere, I think everything should probably be a a, a web request. So now you just have to gate those web requests. That said, I hate that stuff. Authentication. I just hate it. So that's my least favorite part of making websites. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like such a vital thing now. It's like you almost wish you loved it, or not you necessarily, but people, because it's kind of like that's what that's like the 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 Tinder that makes the money. Really, you know, you have a thing you can log into, and you compel someone to pay for it. I need to just sit down and like whatever make myself do OAuth. 20 times in a row or something, just some, some sort of float just to, uh, anyway, or make something that costs $10 that you have to pay for. That'd be cool. So, uh Oh, here we go. Timer up. Did it make a noise? It did, right? There it goes. Okay. 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 All right. Um, it's my turn, huh? I get to read one. So, um, Colin writes in, uh, I have been a longtime proponent of having my own domain name and owning my content. I never really got into the Facebook or Twitter scene too much, and I've been keeping an eye on this indie web movement for a while, which I feel complements my own thinking. Uh, it looks like it has been around for about five years. There are a number of related concepts surrounding this, like microformats, syndication, web mentions. My question is just, what are your thoughts on this? It doesn't seem to be something people are talking about, uh, but maybe people should be. Go. Yeah, a big fan, obviously. Although, I don't know that you need to make like all the checklist of indie web to like benefit from it. It's like a progressive web app in that way. And then I think the most important thing is the thing that you are already doing. You have your own domain name and you own your own content. Uh, obviously valuable. I mean, I can only speak from personal experience, but I've seen it time and time again with other people that what really helps them, you know, especially if your goal, the stated goal is like, I want to be a person of some influence and I want to like jump up my career and make it easier for me to get new jobs. And I want to be invited to conferences and all these things that you see other, some other developers enjoy. There's one way in. There's not like 10 ways in. There's pretty much one in its writing, you know? So like doing yeah. that writing on your own site also makes a lot of sense because writing on other sites tends to kind of come and go in a way that your own site doesn't. You can always make your own site beautiful and work in different ways and change it up and re-promote content how you want it to and link to it how you want to. And you just have all this control over it. So if you know that all this... This, this writing thing is a one-way ticket to the things that you want in the world. Do it on your own site, you know? And that's the most fundamental ingredient to indie web stuff, I think. But you also mentioned some other stuff like microformats. I think I've pretty much stopped caring about microformats. Sorry, but I've, you know, I've dabbled enough. I don't think I've ever seen any necessary big value from it necessarily. Maybe the closest thing I've ever come is like marking something up as an article nicely enough such that like reading to reading buttons have don't have a hard time finding the article and stuff like that. But eh, eh, I don't care about microformats. Sorry. Syndication, have an RSS read for your site. I'll personally just say I want you to do that because chances are I'll read your site if you have RSS. Is RSS a big deal for the world? Probably not, but I like it. So please have it for me. <laughs> Web <laughs> mentions, I want to like it. I just can't. It's It's really weird. What I really like about the idea of web mentions is that so they're kind of like pingbacks or like, let's say Dave writes something and mentions my post in it. 
magic happens, literally like post requests on the internet. It tells my blog, Dave wrote about me, and my blog puts a little blurb on there that says like, oh, hey, Dave mentioned you in this post. That's a web mention. Uh, and I think it's just about as simple as that, really. But it's kind of like, you know, you can do it without necessarily needing to like, it's like up to everybody who to post and who to be watching and who to, you know. There's a lot of handshake deals that have to happen for this to work. There's got to be like a bunch of trust, right? Like that people aren't just going to spam their way onto the CSS trick site, you know? Um, and then there's, you have to have a third party service or server or something that kind of like collects all these pings. And then you have to have something that triggers a build or puts, you know, those pings on your site, you know? Um, I, for me, that's like a lot of, I haven't seen the, a really elegant solution. I would maybe if something was like, Hey, I collect all your web mentions and I give you a JSON feed per URL that you request, dude, that's, that's the place I'm interested in. So if something does that, I want that. And I'll just, whatever, I'll write some. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I think Remy Sharp not long templates. ago wrote a thing that's like, because one of the big asks is like you collecting web mentions is great, but it's not everybody that posts all their web mentions. So I think his little tool was like, give us the content and we'll look through that content and post to all the places that could or should be listening for web mentions. So you're kind of being a good partner on both sides, which is nice. The appeal to this to me is not just other bloggers blogging about you back and forth. It's social media. So it's like somebody tweets and says something interesting about your blog post. Can that be a part of the reading experience in some way, like part of the comment thread or shown to users in another way? Because I think a lot of publishers like me are a little like they want it bums us out a little bit that there's all this good conversation happening around the article that's then lost to the original article, especially in Mm -hmm. time. Like in one day, it might be fine. You can follow all these conversations happening about the article. But a year from now, that stuff is gone forever. And that sucks. I'd like to grab that stuff while it's hot, ideally programmatically, so it's nobody's job, and get it back into that original article so all those conversations aren't lost. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I got some bad news. Yeah. Oh, uh, but I want to extend this. Can I do the yep. extend? Yep. I'm gonna pull my extend card. Uh, how? What are we doing for extensions? Three minutes. Sure. Three minutes. So I took three all minute your time, extension. So I feel bad. Go. No. 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 Um. I think. I think this one in particular, we have to kind of explain what India Web is. So, like, obviously, I a big fan of RSS. I, I sort of agree with you on microformats. Like, it was a big thing. Uh, it's still useful, but maybe. Like it's more search engine tech at this point, but, um, uh, but web mentions is, you know, Zach Leatherman does a really good job with web mentions on the site. Um, but, but there's also like a hierarchy issue for me. Like if Tim Berners Lee says, Oh, this is a really good post about the web. I want that, that testimonial <laughs> to be at the top. Right. And, but you kind of just get a chronological kind of, you know, I don't really, you know, sort of anyone who ever said anything about anything, but it it would also help me as like a, a blogger kind of have like social validation. Does that make sense? Not like social validations, everything. Um, Cause that's not really why I blog, but like, Oh, okay. Like 20 people found this thing interesting on Twitter. That's actually helps me, you know, that, that helps me figure out what I want to write about next, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, that that's I, I think there's a lot of cool stuff in that. Um, but you know, I, I, the original question asker Colin wrote, was like, you know, I haven't gotten into Facebook and Twitter. Um, for me, I, I see Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, and uh, you know, these are complementary to like your blog too. I, I wouldn't write those off, but right. but there is that thing where like, you know, you go to some tweet thread. I've done this in the past, and I, it's like ugh, I just dumped a bunch of thoughts that into Twitter. The UI is terrible. The threading mm. is just garbage. I'm going to like, I wish I could, I wish that would have been a blog post instead. So, you know, I think I'm going to try to find some of those and kind of pull those out into blog posts and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I think like, that's like the thing is like, or the spirit of the indie web is, is at least like publish on your own site, syndicate those thoughts elsewhere. Um, but, or you can do it in the reverse too. publish elsewhere. <laughs> uh syndicate own uh peso but then um but 
but yeah, I, 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 there's both ways. And so you could, you could do that. I wouldn't, you know, I, I think there's value in that too. So don't write off social media is what I want to say. So, but then if you do that, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily help the original post, which is what web mentions is trying to do in a way. Um, yeah. But yeah, like every time I tweet, you know, the people that take this the most extreme, like you said, I think everybody that you don't even tweet, you just publish on your own site and then it tweets or do the reverse of that. Or that seems extreme to me because it's like maybe a quarter of what I tweet would be a good little blog post, but not always, you know, like the format is different enough that it's doesn't, it's not one-to-one for me. Yeah, and that gets into microblogging, which we should yeah. have Man and Reese on. Oh, oh that's okay. okay. Well, right. let's see. What do we got? Anonymous writes in. You, re- oh, you ready? Okay. I'm ready. I, I'm ready. It takes a few taps, apparently. Okay. So it sends an alert, a push notification to my phone that my alarm went off, and I can't engage with the app until I dismiss the push notification. Sure. Anyway. What, what even cool. is UX? Cool. Apple. I've had a. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by GiveWell. Imagine that you want to help children. You found two trustworthy organizations, but they run different programs. One can save a child's life for every $300,000 donated, while the other can save a child's life for every $3,000 donated. If you could tell the difference, you'd donate to the one that was 100 times better at saving children's lives. But in reality, it's often hard to know what charities will actually be able to accomplish with your donation. GiveWell spends 20,000 hours each year researching charities. They review academic studies, charity budgets, and visit charities on the ground to figure out which ones are the best at saving or improving lives. All of their research is public and free on their website. Go to givewell.org shoptalk to find out more or make a donation. First-time donors will have their donation matched up to $1,000 if they donate through givewell.org shoptalk. Our thanks to GiveWell for sponsoring this episode. Uh, this person who is totally anonymous is working for a large, well-known organization in the UK as a full-stack web developer, but less than six months, so a newbie there. He says, I love working here, but I can't help f- but feel frustrated with the technologies they're using to build things. The things that we build end up relatively slow for the end user, difficult to develop in terms of debugging. Uh, and have known limitations that we're uh, occasionally struggling with and cost the organization money in annual licensing. So I'd like to propose to this company I work at to move to a different technology stack, maybe something like Vue, Angular, or React on the front end, Node for the back end. But as only a junior developer on the team of several senior developers, I don't feel like it's my place to shake things up as other developers seem to be content with the current technology. So how would you go about proposing a new collection of technologies? Now, this anonymous person has a couple of ideas here, but let's leave it at that. Go. All right, going. Uh, so this is, uh, I think, a dilemma that if you're you're not already facing, um, I think a lot of people will face. Um, you know, the, with these websites that happened five, you know, ten years ago that you know got they bought some big mm-hmm. CMS thing, and so now they're kind of stuck with it, or they've grown and they've hit the limits of it, and it's bad. Um, I, I think you know at this point you probably should. St- start conversations about like chipping away or like, Hey, can we kind of federate this or break this up a little bit? Just so like, we're not, you know, we, we don't just like keep hitting problems with the the main thing that said, I, I think it's almost a, becoming a trope to me that people blame their CMS. Oh, my CMS was so bad. Oh, my CMS was bad. We had to switch off a of WordPress. Oh, the CMS was bad. We have to switch off a of Drupal, oh, you know? Um, and, and that is, true but some of it's how you're using the cms you know like mm-hmm. maybe there's points where you could figure out where like the problem you're hitting or like what could be better like because again i think we kind of mentioned it in the earlier thing like you the svelte question you could you could switch to react but maybe you're going to hit the same problems or similar problems once you hit the whole right. scale of what that so are you to. saying that like okay anon you, you, you have an idea of how to fix some problems, but you're suggesting throwing out the entire organization's technology stack for something new and unproven for your company. Like you're going to have problems with that too. Like you, like this isn't you. You think you might think that the these new tech choices that you think are going to solve all our problems, but that's a 
pretty big change for something that's unproven. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think, too, there's probably like an organizational thing like you have to you have to prove your six months in the job. You have to prove maybe that you're a, you you have the tech prowess uh, to actually kind of make these decisions like. Oh, you know, hey, let and and that's probably through like one getting budget from the organization. That's the hardest thing, getting budget to actually go fix something. And you have to do that a few times and then people will build trust in you as somebody who like, oh, this person's super good at like fixing things. Maybe we should listen to them now when they say like, hey, we should pivot the whole tech stack to something way more maintainable. And I hate that answer because it's like a four or five year long game. And that's, you know, yeah. terrible. But like, but if let's say, Chris, you hired me today to work on CodePen and I'm like, Psh, Rails is dead, my dudes. We're going to uh, Elixir, you know, like, like, I'm sure everyone's just like, it Probably depends not. on who you are. Like, you know, if you roll in with a <laughs> massive amount of experience, I might trust you, but chances are you're not going to roll in with no plan at all. You're not rolling in and be like, have you guys heard of these new technologies? Let's do those. Like you, you wouldn't do that because I can, you just don't have that air about you anyway. Not that Anon does necessarily, but you know, knowing that he's a, 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 a junior dev, been somewhere less than six months, you know, and it's at a large, well-known organization, which has probably been around for a bunch of years, probably going to be around for a bunch of more years, too. I'm picturing like a BBC kind of scenario here. Yeah, you, they BBC can't Guardian be. was what went through my mind. Yeah, <laughs> right. You, you can't. Yeah, these these lifers might seem like they're old and, you know, have all the, these problems, right? But they can't be the ones in charge of a mess when you're like, let's switch up some tech. Oh, actually, I got a new job over at New York Times. Bye. You know, like, you know, mm-hmm. you haven't proven right. that you're going to be around to help with these changes anyway. You know, you, why don't you just piecemeal it a little bit? Why don't you like build something a little smaller in it to demonstrate in a way? So and I and that's actually part of their follow up answers anyway. So so I'm not like yeah. trying to steal credit from them. They're saying like, should I build a little proof of concept? Yeah, sure. You know. I think there's like three places like, you know, there's always like end of year reports or something or like, you know, yeah. like a, a whatever this, this is what happened this year. If it's like a news organization or something or, or even internal reports, internal websites, internal, you know, there's, there's a lot of places where you, like little projects where you have a little bit more freedom that you can like sneak into or, or say like, I want to do that or, or kind of like get into um, and kind of prove your, not knowing your value, but your decision-making as well. Um, and, and it's hard and it doesn't always go smooth, but, but I think like look for those opportunities is kind of what I'm getting at. So, and with that, Chris, hold on, here we go. It happened. We, Oh, we hit it, but my oh. watch vibrated. Apparently this is Ooh. <laughs> super is, reliable just, alarms it scares I'm me love, a bit. i'm loving i love to computer here we go <laughs> steven nixon writes and uh when i'm working on a project and i need to make different variations of a single page to compare either side by side or in multiple browsers sure for example uh i should i missed the period there so uh i need to make variations of a single page to compare either side by side or in multiple browsers for example in one recent project i was designing and coding up a simple homepage. i needed to show several different options in a meeting with coworkers. Uh, if I were working in a visual design school sh- tool like t- Sketch, this would have been easy. I would have uh, simply made artboards and put them side by side or exported multiple PDFs to flip through. However, when working on such a scenario in the browser, is there a best practice for this kind of comparison? For example, is it fine to just put multiple pages like index one, index two, index three, rather than using Git branches for the variations? I worry that multi-page approach might be hacky or messy, but when comparing different designs, flipping through browser tabs uh, is a lot faster and less confusing for everyone in the room than pulling up my command line and switching between these branches. So Mm. here we go. Mm. Uh, How do you demo multiple page variations? Yeah, I mean, it seems like the only strike against the Git thing is because Stephen is picturing having to bring up a design 
And then, okay, it's time for design two. Let me go back to my command line and check out a branch and then refresh the page or whatever. Like, okay, that does sound janky. Don't do that then. Like, check one out, load the page, open a new tab, switch branches, load the page there, and just don't refresh the page on page one. That seems, you know, like maybe that's a little dangerous because, well, what if you accidentally refresh it or something? But hey, you know, presentations require a little finesse sometimes, so don't do that. To me, I, I'm imagining, and maybe it's just because I'm a, you know, a bit more on the developer side, that doing the branch thing is the right way to go just because it's probably not just an HTML file that has to change. There's a bunch of assets that have to change and CSS that has to change. And doing that as a branch is good because then if you decide on version three, you can just move forward from that branch in that you're not having to clean up a mess from from version one and version two, that version three is already this clean, isolated version three that doesn't have any remnants and crap from versions one and two. So doing it as a branch is nice. Now, it depends on where you're deploying and what kind of app this is and all that. If it's just a little prototype, great, you know, have it on your machine, whatever. But that means it can probably go to Netlify. And what's nice about Netlify is that you get pre-built URLs from your commits for all these things. So you don't even have to worry about doing it locally. You just bring up the URL from that commit that Netlify will build for you, uh, which is really nice for that case. Or if it's a project that just can be on Netlify anyway, well, then all the better. You know, then you'll have URLs from all these commits. So just as a like a little trick, even if you're not hosting on Netlify in the end, the fact that they do these like per commit builds for you might be really useful. Dave. Yeah. Well, I I use all of those. I mean, the <laughs> index one, index two, we use that. Um, we do um, we do Netlify branch deploys. If it's kind of like more like a, we usually use that for like, hey, uh, this is going to change new font stack. We just changed the font stack. What do you think? Like, get ready for this. Like, we use it as sort of a broadcast sort of tool. Um, like, get ready. A big change is kind of coming. Um, but we'll do like a, we'll have like a separate like prototypes folder or whatever for like, you know, and then people kind of know like, okay, this is just a prototype of the thing we're actually going to build. So we'll do that like index one, index two, but can I blow your mind a little bit? Have you heard of this tool called codepen.io? <laughs> it's an amazing tool. Uh, and you can fork your own work inside of it. And you can even like uh, import style sheets from a master file and then build a collection of like the thing I want to demo dot whatever. And so you, you can uh, like use CodePen to demo things. And, and I've found not to like whatever, <laughs> not too much of a commercial, but like, uh, when when people see it in a code pen, they're like, oh, okay, this is not like the real thing. This is like, this is just ideas inside of a code pen. And so like, that's awesome. That's the place you want to be like when showing off an idea. Um, you want to be like, hey, this is in the browser and this is what it looks like when it squeezes and stretches. Like you have the code window right there. You don't have to like drag a browser window all dumb. Like this is great. Anyway, so I would recommend like, trying out CodePen too for this sort of stuff, like like get away to to consume your system, whether I, I like hot link the production CSS all the time to stuff and then like like build out a page, copy paste it all in there, um, and just be like, this is kind of what it looks like. So I recommend doing that. So yeah. Prototypey stuff. <laughs> thanks. Oh, thanks for the ad, buddy. CodePen's perfect for it. I, you just you just build it in there, and then and then people are like, oh, "Okay, that's cool. Let me take that fork." You know, like done. If you have an organization, it gets even better. But private pens, pro. Anyway. That's right. All right, pro features we saved some great. time. We have forty seconds left. I'm going to give you forty seconds back here, Chris. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Next. Um, is this the Stephen Muncy one here? Yeah, yeah, Stephen Muncy. Open source is great, but when combining technologies, the water can get murky. If you want to have a website built with a static site generator, such as Jekyll or Hugo, and use a framework such as found Bootstrap or Foundation, you run into duplications, vastly different build tools and file structures. Can you suggest online courses that teach how to integrate these technologies and how to keep them current for a beginner? Let's hit the All button. Right, starting timer. Go. Well, well, um, I, well, I'm imagining what they mean here is that, okay, you got Jekyll, and that means that at the command line, you got to run something. 
Run, Jekyll. Jekyll, yeah, run. Jekyll, serve. Jekyll, serve. Yeah, Hugo, same thing. Okay, whatever. Now you have bootstrap and foundation. They might, you know, depending on how you use them, they might expect you to have a build process that builds them like SaaS. So now you have two or things you got to do. Like NPM install bootstrap or whatever yeah sure and these are like there's like a lot of different stuff going on here there's different languages different things building them i could see how that like you you know people talk about these things so independently of each other but there's confusion in the combination i think that's very fair what do you think of yeah i I mean whatever i've been making websites for a damn long time i've given talks on like command line tools but i still like uh, I always find myself in that situation where it's like, what's what's the easiest way to do this? You know, um, and and it's hard. Um, what about your I, site? I do like you have a hot reloading? Like, how do you style DaveRupert.com? Do you is it just CSS or you use a preprocessor these days? Because it's it's so it's Jekyll and Jekyll comes with SAS for free, right? So oh, I, I can okay. put all the SAS in a SAS folder and I'll compile the SAS. However. That is very slow. So you don't want to do that like all the time, I guess. But um, because uh, it's it's Ruby SAS, not the new SAS. I guess Jekyll 4, maybe you fix that. But um, but I'm in the situation where I have a critical CSS file and I put that in my includes directory. And Jekyll SAS doesn't even know what that is. It's like, I don't get it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. never seen that. I don't, I don't even see that file. So in my includes directory, I have to run like the SAS command, like SAS dash dash style compressed, you know, like I, I just, I just manually run. Interesting. Okay. And you rely on Jekyll's or no, you, did you install SAS separately? And I manually, yeah, I installed SAS separately and I manually include that and boom, spit it up eventually. Okay. Um, I'm trying to get away from that. And so what, where I'm kind of, and you can do all this stuff and I think, you know, it's a rite of passage to build some giganto grump file that like also compiles mm-hmm. uh, a Jekyll or something like that. It's net, you know, it, or gulp file or something like that. It, it's it, that stuff's kind of not fun. I've gotten into um, eleventy. This is part of the reason why I like eleventy and why I'm maybe moving over, moving stuff over to it is because it's built in Node. So right there, I'm. I'm yeah. using Node. Yeah. Uh, I will use Node SAS and uh, you know something to piece together my JavaScript and CSS and stuff like that. Um, but I went on a big quest, like, like what's the easiest way to do this? And I, I'm using SAS, like just to compile SAS, and then to bundle JavaScript. I, I found like Parcel Bundler mm-hmm. to be the kind of okay. simplest way to do it. It's maybe naive. But it's like the simplest way, like to just no config. You just take a JavaScript, spit out a. But it's bundle, it's it's, a, it's a, yeah, there's some buy-in though. I feel like I I, I was compelled by it because because I'm thinking like Gulp is still like the only way. I feel like people think Gulp is old, but you're like if you have some site that you got to run Eleventy build and your SAS thing and a Babel thing because you want to like write future JavaScript or whatever, and you have an SVG icon system, all the, some stuff that is like really garden variety stuff you want to do on a website. What builds it all? Tell me. It's mm-hmm. Gulp. Mm-hmm. Webpack's not going to do all that stuff. Not really. Not if you're not using a JavaScript-focused build. You know, you're not building a Create React app or whatever, you know. It's still Gulp yeah. of some kind or something like it. I mean, maybe Grunt. Grunt actually feels old because Gulp just feels a little bit more like node modern stuffy these days. But it yeah. feels like a pain in the butt to have to hand write your little functions because Gulp doesn't exactly have a little marketplace of like, oh, you're doing SAS. Well, I'll just do it this way then. It's still just like, well, here's an example snippet great, of code of how you might do it. You know, it would be a great open source project like a. Like gulp recipes or whatever. Yeah. Just like, hey, you want to compile SAS? And oh, you got say, this weird Jekyll too? Like, here's how you do it. Like, yeah, it would be nice. So that's what, I mean, and that's what Stephen is asking here is courses. I would say if people say, oh, I don't use gulp because the usually the because is because I use NPM scripts directly. So when you're saying like mm-hmm. when, when Dave's like, oh, I just run Jekyll serve. Oh, I just run SAS dash V dash. Those are just things that you're typing into your terminal and you can put those in a package.json file under the scripts section that just like you make little aliases to run those things. So you can mm-hmm. just say like yarn run whatever and put them. So Stephen, if you're looking at this, um, look at NPM scripts 
And I think tutorials you find around that will be along the idea of combining technologies. That's all I got. That's all I could say. I, I would just repeat everything five more times. So, all right. <laughs> next question is, Mike, uh, I am wondering if you guys have any advice on working on multiple projects and ideas. For example, I work a full-time job as a web developer. In my off hours, I do freelance because it's hard to say no to extra cash. The thing is I want to spend my time learning backend programming languages and working on cool bohemian side projects to get out of the web developer grind and move to backend software engineering. Uh, any advice on balancing the, the three? And I feel like we've answered questions like this in the past, but we mm-hmm. can tackle it. Five minutes, go. So whew, this is a, the juggly, the juggle machine. Um, how, do, how to invent time. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you get this crystal, uh, you put it in a little locket that yeah. hangs from your chest, um, and that's well, Mike. You're, I mean, I think you're like putting this, like this, like, this engineering thingy up on a pedestal a little bit. Like, oh, I I should be learning this because it it's gonna like future my life so much better. But I I I'm not allowed to get paid for it as I learn it, kind of thing. I'm like, dude, you're already doing a bunch of freelance. Like, it sounds like you're drowning in freelance. It sounds like you got this full time job, and people keep asking you to do for pay stuff. Like, roll with the paid stuff, dude. Like, that's a nice place to be. Uh, like, not everybody is being asked for to be paid all the time. Yeah. Well, and I would take it a step further and say, like, double your freelance rate. <laughs> like, yeah. that sounds terrible, but like. Like get paid well for your free time. You have a job, get paid really, really as well as you can make it for your free time. Like don't, don't go cheap. Don't do friend rates. Yeah, I I say that as somebody who does that stuff. And if you're trying to learn some engineering stuff, can't you sneak some engineering into these paid projects, you know, like get paid to learn them as you go, like just little stuff. Yeah. If you doubled your rate, then you could buy your own time. Like you work on a project for two weeks, you can buy your own time for two weeks to learn backend programming and make a side project. That's your own thing. So like just charge, charge, charge money, charge money, and then take time. And like, I will say from experience, you're going to burn out real bad. (laughs) So careful there. Like you're burning the candle at three ends. So you you just, you got to be careful about your your energy and mental health. I mean, if you're 20, it's great. You're you're having fun, but like also like go meet friends outside somewhere. So that, that be- Yeah, regarding that burnout thing, I think that is that is interesting in that you're more susceptible to burnout if you're doing this because you think you have to and your future hinges upon it and you're less you're at less danger for it if you're doing it cuz it's fun as heck. If you're like spending a little time after work building a little calendar app with cloud functions or something because it's like super exciting for you, you're probably not going to burn out quite as fast. You're still burning uh, yourself out in, a, in an interesting way, though. I mean, you're still like straining your eyes and straining your back and perhaps like any excitement you have about coding, you're not like building up any excitement because you're just using it all up the second you have it, you know. So be mm-hmm. worry about the burnout a little bit, but if you really like hate every second of it and you're just doing it because you think there's like some money at the end of the rainbow, your risk of burnout's a lot higher. Well, how about this plan? You uh, take the freelance work and then you hire your friend to do it and you pay your friend and you take a little bit off the top and now you're getting paid for your friend coding. Yeah. <laughs> and Like start a business. You know what I mean? Like if, if like, I don't know. I mean, unless you really like helping people. I wish I had the, the balls to do that. But like then you're like, but like, or you, you could pitch in on the project and make money. Like, but, but like, you know, buy your time back. That's what I'm saying is like, there's, you know, pay your friend, you know, what's the Tom Sawyer thing or whatever. But like, just there's ways to, to make money uh, that aren't exactly like you doing everything or whatever. So, um, I mean, that's how companies work. You just, you hire people to work on things that you don't have time for time to do. Time is money. So like, ah, anyway, it's, I, but, but I, I, I've been in your place and I, I love doing side projects. Uh, webs uh, sites are my hobby. So like, it's, it's tough, you know, like, so, cause you're just like, Oh, somebody comes up to you. They're like, I have money. Uh, you want to build this thing? You're like, yeah, I do. Uh, sure. Yeah. I was going to sit on the computer anyway. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 
using a Squarespace? Well, I was in the computer all night anyway, so sure, I'll do it. So I'd be happy like, to work on your thing for a third of the time and screw around on Twitter for another third of the time and like read dumb blog posts for another third of the time, but charge you for 100% of the time. Sure, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So, I mean, like, I, I just think, I just think like you're like, I don't know. I, I think, I think keep the stay job, but like if pay or, or make money on the side or even come come up with ways, either doubling your rate or paying somebody else to do the work. And like, you can come up with a way to like buy your time back basically. Um, so you don't feel like you're negative earning um, and stuff like that. So, all right. Hey, we have a uh, zero seconds left. So there we go. All right. Um, and well, this next you one, do is one pretty, what's that? Um, one more, one more. Okay. We'll let's do Eric E. How about that? One? Okay. Eric writes in, uh, sh- how should pull requests be managed? I work at a company that provides software as a solution. SAS. Um, we frequently have a problem where pull requests slowly build up to the point where the manager tells everyone to stop what they're doing and review until they're gone. Uh, we have about 10 people on the team at a previous job. PRs were handled differently. The author had more responsibility of making the PR sure the PR was merged. The author would ask another developer if they could explain the PR to, uh, uh, to the other developer. Uh, one often the author would realize their mistake while explaining and the reviewer had to listen to make sure it made sense to them, uh, later and they would review the code privately for a little bit. I thought the system at my previous job was a good system. So how are PR handled PRs handled at other companies? Mm, That's pretty fun. I mean, so the new company, the setup is they just pile up and pile up until a manager freaks out and makes everybody do review on them till they're gone, which does seem a little weird to me. I mean, I think, you know, in my experience, PRs are kind of exciting. They're a representation of a finish line for something. They're like, wow, you did it. That needs to go out, you know? And I know they can be as simple as a single line of code or big, complicated 400 files changed kind of thing. But whatever they are, there's something that's destined for production. There should be something kind of exciting about that. Like, well, we did it, mm-hmm. team. This is going to go live. Um, I would say at CodePen, they're like, they're pretty exciting, you know? And that, you know, things change so much and it's just nebulous. And I wouldn't say we have like written documentation on how we handle them, but we try to make it a pretty high, high level of priority. If there's a pull request going, you should probably be on that a little bit ahead of whatever your own work is at the moment, unless you're just so heads down on what you're doing that it's like a weird distraction to have to switch. But for the most part, especially if you're coming in fresh for the day or something, look at PRs first. Because they're like somebody's just waiting for that to go out. So get it out. Yeah, I, I you know, I uh, have a current situation where like one client does have kind of like ten PRs waiting, but that, I think that's just it's like a volume of work. But you also need to recognize PRs exist in different states. Like some are just like kind of softballs. Like, hey, everyone, look at this. Like, yeah, is this like anywhere near where we're trying to do or whatever? Uh, some are, you know, nitty gritty, like huge refactors, right? Like, Hey, I replaced every semicolon in the project with, uh, <laughs> obscure Hungarian Unicode, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> so people need to like, you know, like everyone take a look and make sure tr- pull this down and try it out, you know? So yeah. it might help in your issue tracker to have labels on the type of PR it is, you know, like a, a you know, good first P you know, good first PR or something like that. Or, or like, you know, maybe you put estimates on the level of the PR. Um, uh, other than that, I would say squeaky wheel gets grease, right? Like you just every day in chat or stand up or both, you just say, Hey, got this PR. Everybody got this PR, got this PR. If your company doesn't allow it, like you should have a little Slack channel just for developers. Cause that can get kind of noisy, you know, like, um, and then, you know, just be like, anyone have 30 minutes to go over this PR? You know, just like, like, you just be a squeaky wheel and, and get it merged in. <clears throat> um, another thing you could do, I mean, this is all organizational, right? Like the problem is not the code per se. Like the co- problem is how the, the organization and how y'all are dealing with it. I would talk to that manager who is calling the fire drills um, 
and just say, hey, we don't like, can we just schedule an hour every Friday to go over PRs and do code reviews or whatever? Like, um, so that this doesn't keep happening because what you're doing is crashing our day and, and that makes everything else late. So if we had, if we had a plan for reviewing or a cadence or a schedule, it, it probably would happen in a better manner. So I think, I think you have a organizational problem in addition to like a, well, I'm not, I don't have time to look at this code problem. So there does seem to be something fundamental about it though. Like if you, if you can't get PRs out, then what? Like that's the whole, that's the, that's how you get, that's how work happens. That's the last moment. Yeah. Well, and, and there's again, back to the labeling, like there's high priority, right? Yeah. Like this is a feature. This is a bug fix. This is a, um, this is blocking this whole entire arm of work. You know, um, you need, you need, your tool hopefully has a way of communicating that. Um, I find GitHub issues is pretty good. Like you can do that pretty well uh, in, in like casually uh, Jira, not so much, but <laughs> that's just me. Um, good luck. And, and, but yeah, I mean, I like it. Maybe we should develop a system though of like, pro, cause all we have is WIP work in progress or not, but there are these, yeah. they really should be tagged better. I think you're, I like that, you know, like, like softball, like, just floating this by I like softball as a tag. That's nice. Yeah. Just softball or like, like, I mean, just cause, just cause it's like, Hey, uh, really like just somebody look at this. Like, let me know. This is not actually ready to be merged in at all. So, Hey, okay. Time's up. Hey, we did it. We did we a got. rapid fire. We did an actual rapid fire. Uh, let us know if you like the five minute time limit with, the extensions we'll we'll try to do maybe one more of these in the future um but you know uh that's that's how things go and uh yeah um hey chris i'm looking at my calendar here looks like we got one more show this year huh come come out there so we'll is that it out. oh my gosh i think it's just one more show this year yeah. so uh we'll wrap up anyway, a non-existent we'll, season well yeah we'll wrap up uh i think that what is it like the eighth year or something like that so, we're gonna do more series though we have a really good series idea that we're we've been poking at so we've been poking at it and then we we've been talking websites with our friend uh dan mall and Afia. yeah and, in uh, fact we actually have designs they're early oh but they're, they're kind of like yeah Early and there's going to be some, as Dan puts it, hot potatoing. I'm sure, but it is it is at last in Dave and I's ballpark, which yeah, is a we, terrible we place have to be. To block out, yeah, there. yeah. We, this, we haven't even talked a, about how to block off that time yet, but it'll oh happen. Boy. We need we to make some technological decisions. We should almost be doing that because you know we you know we, we I need a way that we can both work on it that's like totally painless, right? That neither of us hate, you know. So whatever that is, we got to figure that out first, which it feels weird to make tech choices first, but we're like, <laughs> there's enough established tech here that that's okay. Yeah, we can figure it out and we can do a, maybe we'll do it. We should do a video and we'll put it on the website for you. Well, how, how we came up with the tech decision dot CSS dot tricks. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> we'll wrap this up. Thank you, dear listener for downloading this and your podcast. Choice. Be sure to start her favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at shop talk show for tens of tweets a month. Uh, and if you hate your job, have a shop talk show.com slash jobs and get a brand new one for the new year. Uh, Cause people want to hire people like you and Chris, you got anything else you'd like to see? Oh, shop talk show.com. <laughs>